0: All right, Scraby, did you get the coach reined in a little bit here? (laughs) I hope so, but I don't think there's any control on the coach. There's no controlling him today. Chris Ello, the coach, John Quintero, is uh, in for Tony. Tomorrow, Tony Gwynn Jr. and I will be at Alesmith Brewing Company in Miramar, 3 to 7 p.m. Great day. Going to be a big afternoon. We're going to do our show from there. Food trucks, Alesmith beer specials. You can win Lululemon gear including the yoga pants, supposedly, that I'm going to be wearing. Padre tickets, first 97 people to stop by tomorrow. That's 97 of you are going to get a family four-pack of tickets to the fan night at SeaWorld San Diego, June 21st. That's tomorrow. It's coming up tomorrow, Coach. I'm pretty excited about it. Tomorrow, from three to seven, Coach will have the. uh, We got the ball
1: game tomorrow. Yeah, I got the pre and post. So you'll be handling the pre and the post. Be bearing down tonight on that game, and you'll be uh, getting ready. We'll uh, be ready to roll. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, as we uh, continue with the Major League Draft, a couple of local kids uh, going today uh, in the seventh round out of Grossmont College, a kid that went to Mount Miguel High School, Eric De La Rosa, uh, 6'4", 175-pounder, had a big year out there for Coach Absher at Grossmont College, and another young man uh, out at uh, USD, uh, Jay Schuyler, and I know you've seen him play quite a bit over the last couple of years uh, from – uh, Rich Hill's program. He uh, went uh, the 199th pick, a seventh rounder to the Cincinnati Reds. So you congratulations know you to those guys. You know what's, um,
0: what's um, important about the 199th pick, don't you? Jay Skyler?
1: Uh, don't know. I'm
0: going to tell this just to Jay Schuyler. I hope he's listening. <laughs> you know who also was a 199th pick in a no. draft? No. Scraby, you I know. I do. Who is it? Mr. Tom Brady, Tom Brady oh, okay. was picked 199th in the NFL draft many, many years ago. You know a guy that really so liked Jay Skyler is in a good spot 199 at a boy Jay, take advantage of
1: it. You know when Tom Brady was coming out, Mike Riley was the head coach here with the Chargers. I remember this, and Mike Riley wanted was really, him really really high on Tom Brady and everybody else thought he, you know, lost his mind. Yeah. And and they dismissed it and eventually they dismissed him too. Well, but, if, uh, it, the
0: whole world would have changed if the Chargers brass would have listened to Mike Riley cuz the Chargers would have ended up getting Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, but you think he would have ever been in a system like uh, he's in in New
0: England? I know. You never know how things would play out, but I mean, it, it, look, it, you could at least connect the dots and say if Tom Brady ended up coming here with Mike Riley, Mike Riley wouldn't have gone 1-15
1: Oh, they were with the crappy they team that They lost so he had. many games in the last two or three minutes. They had right. no depth. They had no players They were at terrible. All.
0: But they were terrible with Mike Riley, but they would have been a lot better if he could have gone to Tom Brady at about midseason. And who knows what might have transpired, but I think it's a fair thing to maybe perhaps say that we might have the football team to this day if Mike Riley would have gotten his way and gotten Tom Brady to San Diego. Well, it's if the, possible. If the
1: Chargers had won a Super Bowl, you I think they'd still dots. be here. You it'd can still connect the here. dots. A well, one ninety nine, uh, so congratulations. Yeah, Jay to uh, De La Rosa and, uh, Jay Skyler. Eric Delarosa and Jay Skyler on getting drafted today. You know,
0: you know what surprised me uh and I want to get some of your thoughts on the Padres draft yesterday. But what has surprised me, at least as far as I know, and you've got your little tablet there because you're very official. I I Instagrammed a photo out, by the way, of the coach getting ready for the show on your tablet. I think it looks – it's classic to me. Uh, you're supposed to be old school like me and have pieces of paper spread out all over your desk. Well, look at my
1: desk. yellow tablets. I got my yellow tablets. Yeah, I know, but you got your – I did your... this all last night during your post game show when I was sitting at our dinner table.
0: But you still have the – you still have a new age
1: – you well, know, I've had this for a long time. You haven't seen me in a long time. I haven't seen you in a while. I've you've, had this for years.
0: In fact, this is my second one. You've gone high-tech on me, Coach. I don't know you've about that. You've gone a little high-tech. Can you please uh, convince Chris to go a little high-tech? What? i got the internet up in front of me here. <laughs> what are you talking about? You have the smallest
1: handwriting in the world, they but you got the internet. We're trying to get as much information out to our great listeners out there as possible. <laughs> I, 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 That's why when I was giving the history lesson in the last segment, there are a lot of people that probably you know didn't know about that stuff, and they yeah, live in the San Diego community
0: if you the one thing if you honestly should take a minute to YouTube that 1984 brawl between the Padres and the Braves because it is one of the greatest brawls in baseball history absolutely take a minute to do that it, and it was the year that the the Padres went to the World Series and that brawl you know going back and I'm Tony jr would speak to because his dad was on the team but that galvanized the Padres down the stretch just to make sure I mean they were in good shape they had that division kind of wrapped up. But that galvanized that ball. I
1: I can see Ed Whitson on top of the dugout right now with a bat, his shirt off. He's got his cleats on. He's slipping all over the place. And, you know, Kurt Bavakwa was in that brawl. And Champ Summers, uh, God rest his soul, he was in that. And and Bob Horner was up doing radio, and he was on the disabled list. And and he went down to the clubhouse and put his uniform on so he could run onto the field for the Atlanta Braves. How about that? And, you know, we were talking about, you know, you were laughing when I threw out Ben Crosby Hall earlier. But but let me tell you, when people are going through the fair and they're going through Bing Crosby Hall this year, eating their fudge or sucking on their snow cone, they can think about, hey, the Harlem Globetrotters actually played in this place. Deep fried snow cone. That deep fried. I like that fudge. When you go into Bing Crosby Hall, man, they got that fudge. Completely
0: you know. lost my train of thought. I mean, I, I'm so far away from my train of thought now. I have no idea where I was. Well, we're going
1: to get you hydrated this next break. Where
0: was Where was I? I was I was on my way to something, you know, and you you took me back uh, to Bing Crosby Hall now.
1: I just want people to appreciate the history of, of our city in sports. They should. We've got to take another break. That's all that guy does is bring his two hands together like he's breaking Scraby. a banana or something. Scraby
0: has a big contract, man. we got to pay bills for him. Bill Center's coming on the show. That's in about 20 minutes. Oh, I was going to ask you about the draft. But we'll, that, we'll ask Bill Center about it.
2: He's okay. good on that
1: stuff. Yeah, we'll break it down with big Bill Center.
0: But the thing that surprises me so far, at least according to your tablet there, your high-tech little thing, uh, the Aztecs baseball still have not had a player drafted yet? Is that? I have As far as one. we haven't seen one drafted no, yet. let
1: me uh, get to the 10th round here. The 10th round just started here a little bit that ago. That surprises
0: we'll me. All right, we'll talk a little draft when we come back. Chris Ello, the coach, John Cantera, you are on the home of Padres baseball. <laughs> Somehow, some way, June 5th, 1991. I didn't know this. 27 years ago today, Michael Jordan went up with the right hand, brought the ball back down in the left hand, and scooped it around Sam Perkins for the famous bank shot lay-in to beat the Lakers.
1: take Sam Perkins out of North Carolina. 27 years
0: ago. Well, so was Michael Jordan. Yeah. We're coming back on 97.3 The Fan. You know, I was thinking about this, Coach. Chris Ello, the coach, John Cantera, Tony Gwynn Jr. back with me tomorrow. We'll be broadcasting live Alesmith Brewing Company in Miramar from 3 to 7 following Padre Baseball tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Hope we see everybody out there tomorrow. But we're talking about all this crazy stuff. The 70s, the NBA one-on-one tournament, Bing Crosby Hall. This, this 1980- all started
1: on the, the, hating the Diamondbacks when we played the Jerry Coleman clip <laughs> from back in 2001.
0: Now I really hate the Diamondbacks for getting us off on this on this crazy path but you know we could have just done a regular sports talk show today and you know what we would have opened up with hey coach what do you think about the fact that the eagles aren't going to the white house
1: you know what i mean like I, who cares if they don't want to go they don't want to go
0: they well they, they there was like five of them that wanted to go but then uh, president trump decided to renege on the invitation
1: yeah i saw the letter re- I that's sent the out. big
0: story today big deal you want to? You want to? You know what? Flip CNN on. You can talk about that all you want. I could care less. Uh, although LeBron James and Steph Curry both came out today because they're now being asked about it, right? And they both said, "Well, if you know, what would you guys do? You know, if you win the title this year." And Steph Curry said, "Well, we're not going to go to the White House." And LeBron James, James said the same thing: "We're not going to the White House." You know, this is a tradition that's like 150 years old. You know what? And I think I I don't care but in a lot of ways it shows a little bit of the dysfunction going on in our in our society you know and it bothers me to that extent well i don't want to get into I don't political. want to get into politics either, okay. uh, and it doesn't that, have to. my
1: deal, okay? It doesn't have but,
0: to get into politics, but it does speak to the dysfunction that we have that we can't even get our champion football team to go say hello to the president at the White House. Whether you're on the side of the Eagles, you're on the side of the president, it really doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is we've got, we've got an issue here.
1: I'm sure over the years, when teams have gone there, they maybe had an issue with the president. Right. But you know what? It'd be pretty cool to go to the White House. It'd be pretty cool to maybe see the Oval Office and shake hands. I went once. I'd love to go. I got okay? to go
0: once because my uncle worked over there. I, I don't care who in. the
1: president is, quite yeah. frankly. I certainly didn't win a title. I mean, not kind. every president has been, you know, the greatest <laughs> president known to mankind, okay? In but fact, I do most respect of them the office. Been. I do respect the office.
0: Most of them haven't been the greatest of all time. Can
1: you imagine uh, social media, you know, Years and years ago, some of the things that may have come out, uh, you know, with different during John presidents. F. Kennedy's presidency. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't want to say that, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're correct.
0: People would have been very busy during John F. Kennedy's presidency on the social media. Yeah,
1: yeah and Marilyn Monroe, and but that's the uh, go big
0: story in sports today. I'm sorry. I mean, there's no games. There's, I mean, the Padres are playing, but there's no NBA finals tonight. There's no Stanley Cup Finals tonight. Why aren't? Why is there night. an NBA
1: game tonight? They, they because play they got to have
0: another extra day off. Because they got to drag it out as long as possible.
1: That's the one thing I like about hockey, especially during the Stanley Cup. They just play. They play every other night unless they're traveling. They play. The NBA
0: does its teams a disservice by stretching out the finals three, four days because, you know what, these guys don't normally play with that kind of rest during the course of a season. That's right. They normally get a night off and then they go play or they play back-to-back night. Could you imagine NBA finals back-to-back nights? They'd never do that.
1: No. No. Well at least of all they're on live TV now.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: here we go back to the seventies again. You think about it, it's not really that long ago. I know. I mean Magic Johnson's great uh, performance wasn't that on tape delayed that night. Yes it was. Wow. Nineteen eighty. Yeah, wait for the eleven o'clock news to get over and then bingo at eleven thirty, here comes the NBA finals.
0: Brent Mushberger.
1: Mendy Mindy you know Rudolph, team. How do you think Mendy Rudolph had handle these guys now? Half these guys wouldn't even last <laughs> through the first the half game. with him. They wouldn't make it through a game. Jake O'Donnell.
0: Draymond Green. You know Draymond? What would Mendy Rudolph—Joey Crawford with Draymond Green? How, Draymond Green would never make it through a first quarter.
1: You know the how, kind of you stuff he says of these to officials guys nowadays. You know how they flop sometimes? Sometimes. Okay. Gerald Garrettson, you remember Gerald Garrettson real well. Yes, I mean, he was a long time BA fish, one of the best of all time. If you flopped, he would come down, he would look down at you. He goes, Hey, if you're going to flop, don't come begging for a foul from me, buddy. That's it, and but you the know play what? Play would continue. You, remember, in the middle of the year, they had to have like a meeting with like some players and the referees. I think it was around the All Star game that because everybody was complaining about every foul. I mean, remember when the guys used to have to put their hand up to the scoreboard. can you imagine? Connie Hawkins
0: would raise his hand yeah. when he committed well, a foul.
1: Well, Chamberlain, who never fouled out of a game in his entire NBA career, I he know. would raise his hand. But these you know guys, who didn't have, raise their hand? Who ever? Who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? You know why? Why?
0: Because in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's way of thinking, he never committed a foul.
1: Well, that's in the a, history. That's of the, the NBA. way the whole NBA is now. These it's guys kinda. never think they commit a foul. I mean, they bitch about everything. Everything. Hey, just play, buddy. Play. Play the next play. Well, that goes back to what we were talking about before, about how everything's got to be
0: perfectly correct every time. And every time there's a little bit of a controversy or any question, they have to go to the to the side table and look at the replay for 20 minutes and determine whether or not the guy's toe was touching the line. Let's get on with the game. I love
1: it when they, they look at the monitor, and two guys will look, and then one guy will go relieve the other guy that's standing to make sure nobody's punching one another. <laughs> and then he comes over, then they get together, and then one guy goes over to the TV people and tells them what the hell happened. Huh? <laughs> I
0: don't like it. I don't like it. I'm alright with a call being wrong. You know why I'm alright with a call being wrong? Because I'm a high school basketball ref and I get calls wrong all the time. It's part of life. It takes in away high school, from the game. In high school, we have two referees. In the NBA, they have three. In high school, we don't get a look at replay for anything. And the coaches can, you know, bitch and moan at us all the time and we don't even have a replay to look at. In the NBA, they've got three guys, they've got thirty nine cameras, they've got all of the technology possible, they got Steve Javi talking about it off air, and they still get the call wrong. Just get it over with and be wrong from the beginning and let's the, the move on. The other night
1: they bring Javi on, okay, and it was it was on that play. And Javi had it right. He thought it was a charge, if I if I'm not mistaken. He had a Durant he, James play. Right, in game one. And and the first thing they do when he comes on, Steve, did you see the play? And I'm saying, what the hell is he (laughs) doing in the studio if he's not watching the play? You know? I mean, what are you doing? But I thought Javi had the call right, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, look, the Warrior fans will tell you that it was a block, and the Cavaliers fans will tell you it was a charge. And you know what? What else is new? That's how it goes in sports. One side thinks one way. One side thinks the other. There's a guy in a striped shirt. He's got a couple of seconds to make a call, and he calls it, and you live with it. But we can't do that anymore in our society. Even the, we've got to have every call right. And like you said tonight, the Potters will be playing the Braves, and wh- who leads off? Ozzie Albies will lead off for the Braves, and it'll ground ball to second base. Perel will juggle it for a second, throw it over to first. It'll be a bang bang play. They'll call him safe, and Andy Green'll stick his hand up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? And Get then, out there and argue the call. And then if they're not going to overturn, he'll he'll take his finger and just Yeah, wind go ahead. It. Let yeah, you yeah, guys go ahead it, and play. Wind it. Let's go.
0: What's the matter with baseball? I want to see Andy Green out there kicking a little dirt. Throwing his hat in the air, how would get you a like to be the guy? The call? How would
1: you like to be the eye in the sky? You're the guy that's uh, looking at the replay immediately, and you've got a phone down to Mark McGuire or whoever's on the phone that night, and say, "Hey, <laughs> let's challenge it. Let's challenge huh? this one." And then if it doesn't get overturned, you're kind of wondering if maybe you, well, the NFL call down it, there huh? again.
0: Look, the NFL started it, but the fans you demanded it. You fans demanded it. You fans demanded that every single call in the history of sports be correct. And it just, it's not, it doesn't, it, it, it does not mirror
1: life. Well, it actually takes away from the betterment of the game because it slows it down. It takes away any type of a rhythm a team or teams can be working on. In a Major League Baseball game, hey, let's face it. These games are way too long. Way too long. I mean, these games, they need to get them down somehow to two hours and 45 minutes, not three hours and five minutes. Can't do it.
0: Won't be able to do it because of all the replay challenges and all the pitching changes. They're not going to be able to do it. Can't. Here's the thing. What is a big problem with having a call?
1: Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. I wish people could see you right now. You're so frustrated with the calls and no calls and... You want me to pull the rest of my hair out? No, but your hair's kind of sticking up there. Did you comb it today or what?
0: I'm going to pull the rest of it out because they're talking about, you know what they're talking about in baseball? The computerized strike zone. Well, that's all we need. That's going to be the end of the game as we know it forever. Right. That'll just be the complete end of baseball forever. Every pitch is going to be called by some computer screen somewhere.
1: By a laser beam.
0: Why is it that I think Scraby probably likes that? I don't. Really, I like the umpire and how they can mess up. Okay, you do. I do. And, I and really that's, do. And that's a fair thing. It's a, it's the, the ump it's has human. A, the ump has a split sec, second judgment, strike or ball. What about tennis? It's like tennis when they have those those replays that they do. It, Don't if, need them. Yeah, it's a, if the referee gets it wrong, it's just part of the game. Play through. Play through it. If you're if you're good enough, John McEnroe, you play through it. That's how great teams overcome bad breaks, bad calls, good calls. Good calls they and even bad out. calls
1: are part of the sports history. No,
0: they're part of sports history. Right. They're not part of sports now.
1: No. And that sports stinks.
0: History. But what Scraby just said, and he speaks, I think, for a newer generation, and he says, look, I like the fact that the home plate umpire calls a ball and a strike. The batter gets a minute to... You know, bitch and moan about it or the pitcher gets a little and then you pitch the next pitch. That's all. So why is that okay on a ball and a strike? But at first base we have to have every call right. And at second base, are you kidding me on some of these tag plays where the guy's foot comes one fraction of an inch oh, off the bag and then they overturn the call and call him I How's mean, a guy's body supposed I'm to tired stop? Of that. I mean, I, I tired mean it's
1: unbelievable.
0: It. Tired of it. Tired of it. I want to see the manager come out and argue a call. Uh, I still I think the night that. when You've Bobby Cox that.
1: came out and threw his lineup Bobby card Cox. at the home plate umpire,
0: <laughs> if baseball is missing guys like that. Guys that are willing to do. Well, something they're like not that.
1: hiring guys like that anymore either.
0: Well, no, they're hiring guys that are that are uh, basically. Uh, reading analytics off a piece of paper from the general manager's office on what to do on every single play, Chris, whether to bunt or to hit and run or, that, whether to, that is correct. or whether to pull or whether to push or whether to whether to play the shift or whether to not play the shift. Everything is analytically discussed before the game even starts.
1: No There's questions. no decision.
0: Andy Green, I think Andy Green's done an all right job. He's fine. He's a good manager. I don't have any problems with him. He's just as good as the next guy in the next team. You know why? 'Cause they're all pretty much the same guys.
1: Yeah, they are. Nobody I, I has their agree.
0: own nobody no manager you can't tell me that there's a baseball manager out there, maybe there's one there's or two a couple. that have their own personality. Gabe Kappler has had a little bit in Philadelphia this year, and all he's done is taken crap for it because he's done some, you know, some things that are a little bit off kilter. That
1: and he wasn't properly prepared with his bullpen that one night. So what? That's a human thing. Right. No, it is. I mean, look. Andy- I mean, Bruce Boche still does his thing, even though the Giants are trying to do more analytics, and that's one of the reasons they changed their coaching staff this year. They brought Kurt Young over. They moved uh, Rigetti out of there. And, you know, Phil Nevins now with the New York Yankees, he got let go after one year. Boch is still pretty much the old uh, gut reaction type manager. And I think Buddy Black has a lot of freedom now. I will tell you this about Buddy Black, doing him pretty well. He looks at all those numbers. He knows those numbers inside and out. But I don't think Colorado is as heavy in analytics as some of the other organizations okay, out there.
0: It's okay to have the information. It's okay. If the information's available, you should have it.
1: But if that's the only but, way you're going to make your decision, it's exactly, not. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And that's where I run into a, Look, Andy Green does the gut thing once in a blue moon. You know, I commend him on, sa- on Sunday for bringing Brad Hand to pitch the eighth inning. Love that.
1: He went against the heart of that order. Went that against the heart of the order, that got
0: the guys that he needed, and then gave Yates the ninth inning. That's the kind of move I can get behind. Even if it works or doesn't work, I don't care. You know, for the a fact lot of that people, he had his they... own his own mind was able to come up with a decision rather than an analytical piece of paper well, telling Chris, him what he had to do.
1: Our listeners need to understand, and I don't know how it works with the Padres. Okay, I don't know. And if I did, I would be more than happy to share that. But there are teams in Major League Baseball right now, and I don't know how you could ever manage a team like this, that the lineup card given to you by the front office. Right. I, I could not manage one day with somebody trying to run my ball club. By bringing me a lineup card. There's no and way I And they're bringing you it.
0: the lineup card. Why? Because they're basing it on the analytics of All those on players. Analytics. on how they perform against that particular right. pitcher on a certain day, in the daytime,
1: in the nighttime, in the wind. In That's the no why wind. guys are always batting in different spots in a lot of these different orders with these different teams.
0: Bill Center will join us next. I, I can guarantee you he's probably on our side about this.
1: I would imagine. Heck, he goes back to Lane
0: Field. <laughs> He was there with you at the opening Padre game in 1969. Probably. Probably. All right, I'm Chris Sello. That's the coach, John Quintero. I hope you're having half as much fun as we are today. Until 6, on your home for Padre baseball, 97.3 The Fan. <laughs> That's the coach, John Cantera, Chris Ello. Coach is filling in for Tony Gwynn Jr. Working his way back from New York where he was for the Major League Baseball draft last night. Announced the Padres' picks. Saw him on the MLB Network.
1: Yeah, I was looking at a bunch of stuff on the draft this morning. And uh, they uh, had Tony on the MLB uh, website. Yeah, and I clicked on it. when to listened to this, how it sounded. Because we were in studio, we couldn't actually hear it yesterday. Right, but you know, good stuff. It looks like the Padres done a pretty good job taking a couple of guys from a program I coached at uh, once upon a time, Texas Tech. They uh, taking a couple of guys from the Red Raiders. Get your guns up!
0: Guns up! I, I, you know, it looks like look to me, it's funny because I'm, you know, I'm reading Twitter and people are, you know, have their opinion on the Padres draft, and oh, I'm really happy with it. Or I'm not happy with it. How do you know? How well, does anybody really know? You know? I mean, we're talking about talking about an 18 year old high school kid, uh, the number one pick, uh, Weathers Ryan Weathers, right. who between the age of 18 and 23, by the time he's ready to make a big league debut, most likely, who knows how many hundreds of different things could happen in his life and. Whether or not he turns into a, you know, the next superstar pick,
1: there's no way of telling. No, nah, you don't know. You know, I saw weathers, uh not this path. Uh, last summer, but the summer before, I saw him pitch in the area Code games, and I mean he was pretty good. I mean there are no question about that, and I'm he was sure very he deserving is. to be there, and he was very deserving to be a high first round pick. You know there were a couple of other guys, uh, one in particular, Matthew Libertor, the kid uh, that went a little bit later in the draft. I, I think he definitely was in the conversation. I actually thought I, I don't know if uh, he throws any harder than Weathers. I think he may a little bit, uh, but his command I thought maybe was a little bit better. But you know the thing with weather he's a big body guy and you know he's gonna have to watch his weight i think going forward as he gets a little bit older and, and gets into pro ball well
0: that's something that uh the padres will certainly keep an eye on we are joined right now from the padres formerly the san diego union tribune one of my favorite baseball people of all time the great bill center joins us here on 97.3 the fan bill how yeah. you
2: doing Good, good. I don't know about that great part. I just shoot for mediocrity plus.
0: Well, you beat that. <laughs> you beat it. You beat it. I th- I'll tell you, the coach has been on a roll today. I mean, he's been taking us back to Lane Field, and Ed Spezio and Clay Kirby, and Dick Selma. I mean, right? this is a, this is a conversation that you know somebody <laughs> like yourself and I absolutely love. We're we're having a ball today, so we're glad you can be a part of it.
2: I saw my first games at Lane Field.
0: Yeah. Right down on where what street is it? Hawthorne and Broadway?
2: No, Broadway Broadway and uh, Pacific Highway.
1: Broadway and Pacific Highway. Right there on Pacific Highway. What?
2: What a location!
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: How about? Oh, it was was great. It was. uh, But the only thing was, at night, it would be really damp and cold.
0: Was the Marine Uh, Lair? It must have been harder to hit a home run at Lane Field than it is even nowadays at Petco Park.
2: Right. But, well, and it was huge. I mean, it was huge. The great thing about Lane Field is that when they were tearing it down, I don't know if John's heard this story. Was for some reason when they were tearing it down, they decided to measure the distances to the bases and it was only 87 feet the first base
0: <laughs> after all that time right
2: after since it yeah, hadn't changed uh, they looked back and it really hadn't changed uh, since the ballpark opened in 1936 so uh, there were a lot of uh, probably a lot of singles beat out that uh, hadn't been another three feet wouldn't have been
1: would not have made it would not have made it hey bill Chris and I the last couple of days we've been sitting in here yesterday the Padre's opened five and a half back they have that great win last night against Atlanta they're four and a half back and they got this big road trip coming up they got a lot of road games in, in the month of June and you know some people say well maybe the Padres ought to trade Travis Jancastre or, how about this guy how about that guy I don't think you can make any decisions right now until the end of uh, June and kind of find out where this ball club is because this ball club's getting better.
2: It is getting better. Uh, I do think that before the trading deadline, uh, they will probably make a decision on some outfielder to trade, uh, because if if Myers gets healthy and Cordero comes back, they're going to have six outfielders where they're going to be trying to find playing time for.
0: Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday. I mean, Andy Green continues to say that's not a problem. That's actually it's a good, the old it's a good problem to have. Right. But in a lot of ways, it isn't a good problem to have because you got six guys who deserve to play, and, and they're not getting enough at bats. They're not getting enough playing time. Either that, or there's three guys that are just completely sitting out.
2: Uh, right. You got to rotate them. I mean, you got to keep everybody fresh i would imagine though that they will do something with this with this bonus outfielder situation i that's the only and i hear all this stuff you got to trade tyson ross and i would be sitting down with tyson right now and talking about next year uh i i just don't like trading the guy who is your most dependable pitcher no matter what the situation is
1: well not only that uh, you know i was telling chris earlier you know rather than uh look to to trade uh, somebody right now if anything uh start knocking on doors around baseball and find out what starting pitcher might be available because it's like tomorrow they're going to have to go bullpen by committee again right uh, that's not going to get it done long term
2: no no You really don't have anybody. Maybe Logan Allen, maybe Luis uh, Perdomo. He just came off the uh, disabled list at AAA El Paso. Those are probably your next two best pitching options. But you do not have depth in the pitching staff right now. If somebody were to get hurt, uh, knock on Formica that it doesn't happen, (laughs) but if somebody were to get hurt, they would really have, well, right now they can't fill out a rotation. So I, I think you need to find a way to add a little pitching here. Not to, And maybe it's an outfielder for a pitcher. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, you're close enough to make this interesting. And uh, I'm not saying that they are a contender they're certainly i think you're going to have to win the national league west because i don't see anybody from this division right now going as a wild card so (laughs) you know they're they're close enough because the division is really well i was talking earlier about mediocre mediocre but um i'd be with you john i'd say hey let's try to find a pitcher to add
1: yeah, you know what the the division you know we the division hasn't gone the way we expected and and I do think people down uh, at Petco Park were hoping the Padres could be an eighty one and eighty one team. It certainly didn't start out like that, but they're starting to play and getting closer back to five hundred. A thing that's very encouraging, Bill, is this homestand. And I, I know it's been against the Marlins and the Reds, but the bottom line they're seventeen and twenty at home right now. Where you know two weeks ago their home record was dismal, so they're working their way back to the 500 mark at home, they've played pretty well on the road for being a young team, and I'm seeing a lot of growth, and I'm seeing a lot less of fundamental flaws in this team.
2: Uh, and I thought last night, they really stepped up against a pretty good pitcher, against a pretty good team, and really showed what they can do. I was very impressed with last night's game. And of course, two of those, road, uh, two of those home wins that they're credited with were actually in Mexico City, so they're not... You know, at, at uh, Petco Park, they're actually 15 and 19. So mm-hmm. uh, it, that two of those road wins, our home wins, were Mexico City.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to forget uh, that one game in Mexico City. Okay, the, the first one, uh, oh. you know, I'm trying to forget that when they got no hit. But you know, the other encouraging thing last night, Chris and I were talking about it, and you bring up Monterey. They lost the opener in Monterey, and they'd lost ten consecutive home uh, uh, openers here to start a series. Last night was the first time they, they won the first game of a series at home all year long.
2: And you know how important that is. I mean, it's it's they've done a nice job of coming back in the last games of series, but they keep dropping that first one. Last year it was just the opposite way. They'd win the first one and then lose the next yeah, two. Yeah, that's right. I, but it's it's funny how those things sort of happen in baseball. I am I got to admit that I am encouraged by a lot of things I see. I I am encouraged Uh, I'm overwhelmed with the way that Tyson Ross has pitched this year, just the competitiveness. I really like what I'm seeing from some young outfielders. And, you know, you're going to have a question here when Myers comes back, when he comes back, of what do you really do? Because your right fielders right now are really producing.
0: Yeah, Franmil Reyes is starting to figure it out, and right. uh, Franchi Cordero. I mean, he's hot and cold, but when he's on, my goodness, I don't. Nobody's hitting the ball any further than him. That's that includes everybody in baseball. That's just right. well, not just a couple of guys around here. That's he's hitting John uh, Carlos Stanton shots.
2: Right. I mean, extremely strong, and you know, you look at center field. Margot's beginning to come around. He's not quite he 's not the player right now that he was last year, and you 've got travis Jankowski you 've got two guys that can play center you've you 've got a lot of depth there, and I just think that that 's going to be the one place where they 're going to be looking uh, to see maybe if they could if they're in the they 're still hanging around now nineteen of the next twenty one games after tomorrow are on the road, so if they 're still hanging around this club however, has played pretty well on the road. They're still hanging around. Nobody's taken off in this division. I think that you really have to be maybe a, a buyer at the as you come to the uh, end of July.
0: And I think you can still be a buyer without uh, messing any of your future. No. I, I really do. I mean, sure, you're going to trade a young player somewhere, but the Padres have so much depth, as you said, at outfield, Bill, that they can make a move with an outfielder, and I don't think it torpedoes the whole system.
2: No. Not at all. I think they can move an outfielder And if they can get a good, you know, you're not going to get a great starting pitcher, but you may be able to get somebody who fits into the rotation. And you can move one of those outfielders and maybe one of your lower-level pitching prospects and come up with something pretty good.
1: Hey, Bill, you follow the minor leagues as well as anybody uh, in town here. I mean, you're constantly uh, looking at what's going on uh, down in, uh, you know, El Paso and what's going on in San Antonio. Every day, actually. Oh, every day. And and I, I get all your your stuff, and I really appreciate all the hard work that you put in on that. Um, My question to you, with Freddie Galvez. Uh, only being 28 years of age, this guy, I've been so impressed watching this guy every day. He, he's on the final year of his contract. Where are the young shortstops at right now on the learning curve? And is there one or maybe even two guys that could compete for the starting job here next year? Or is that an area where A.J. Preller might want to sit down with the agent for Freddie Galvez and see what he wants to do?
2: You know, I if I'm A.J., I might... Tatis will definitely, I think, be ready next spring to challenge for the job. But if I'm A.J., I want Galvis there one more year. If I'm going to be in position to really be a lot better ball club last year, and I've got this shortstop who turns every play that he gets into gets to into an out, I want him there. I don't think there's any problem with maybe Tatis starting his major league career at third base uh, I really like Freddy Galvez, and I like the fact that he likes being here. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big bonus. Now, Tatis is only 20. Uh, if he's got to be one more year or a half year at El Paso, that'll be fine. But I don't necessarily automatically grant him shortstop next year.
0: I think a lot of people are being a little more patient all of a sudden with all of these kids in the minor leagues now that they've won six or seven games. And I, and that's just a week, right? but it's changed a, a lot of people's thinking because a couple of weeks ago everybody said, when are they going to bring Urias up? When are they going to do this kind of stuff? Now it's a little different situation. Bill Centers with us uh, on 97.3 The Fan. Bill, let me ask you about Will Myers, uh, Joey Lucchese. Uh, those two in particular, but guys that are hurt right now and what their timetable is to come back. The Padres have been very, very close to the vest in terms of sharing with us when they think these guys might be ready to return. And we've already talked about what it's going to mean when they do return, but how much longer are we waiting?
2: Well, I think Lucchese is close. I think that uh, he's thrown out of the bullpen. My guess would be that uh, he would have one more bullpen here, maybe a, a simulated game, go out for a one rehab start, and then come back. So I don't think he's in the rotation in the next eight days, Or, but I do think that he might be back in time for his start after his next uh, slotted start. Will Myers is interesting. I I think that, John, you know oblique injuries, and there's no timetable. You just, I mean, I knew a guy years ago who had an oblique injury who was actually just swinging softly off the tee about three weeks into the injury and felt it ba- felt it come back and was out another 3 weeks with it uh, they can be Four to five weeks, they can be two months. So the timetable on Will does not surprise me at all. They're now talking the first week of July or the All-Star break before he's back. And that doesn't really surprise me. The other thing about Will is I think he's on a little bit of a training regimen here too in terms of running and uh, he's not lifting weights because you don't want to do that with an oblique. But I think he's he's trying to lose a little bit of that weight that he had gained.
1: Austin Hedges started uh, throwing a little bit yesterday, and hopefully uh, that uh, continues to improve. What about Phil Maton, who's done a really nice job out of that Padre bullpen each of the last two years?
2: Right. Well, he's closer, too. I mean, uh, they're getting ready. they're getting ready to send him out, but uh, you know, right now there's really no pressure on a reliever to, uh, to come in here. I mean, who are you going to send out? The bullpen right now is pretty solid. Uh, not solid enough where somebody, it appears, to can step up and be in the rotation. But the bullpen is really pitched pretty darn well.
0: Bill Center joins us, ninety-seven through the fan. We're talking Padres baseball. Bill is always so gracious with his time, and we love talking baseball with him. <laughs> uh, really, seriously, Bill, uh, your thoughts on the draft, just real quick. I mean, for for those of us that just don't follow it, I mean, it's it's hard to get a read. Really, I mean, should we be happy with what the Padres have done? Should we be? Is there anything we could be upset about? Uh, have they gotten exactly kind of what they've been looking for? Uh, how would you how would you kind of describe what's happened so far in the draft?
2: You know, as you guys said a little bit earlier today, and I've been listening, um, you don't know. There is no way that anybody right now can look at this draft and say, I'm giving it an A grade, I'm giving it a C grade, (laughs) because you have no idea. Uh, But the one thing I do like, and I, I wrote a column today for Friar Wire. I like the process that the Padres are going about these drafts. In fact, I'll go beyond that. I love the process. When you hear Mark Connor and A.J. Preller talk about what goes into the players they are picking, it is, it, it, it is really a detailed study of each player. And I think the Padres in the past have sort of not had a real grasp on the background of some guys they drafted. Uh, I think now that has totally changed. I love, like, the second-round pick. Can we talk just a second about Xavier Edwards? Absolutely. They looked at this kid as... Being a leadoff hitter in the future. And to me, one of the hardest things, and I've talked to scouts about this before, and I'm sure you have, John, is to find, is to project guys as leadoff hitters. Because most great, most players who are getting drafted high in drafts are hitting third and fourth for their high school or college teams. They're not hitting in the leadoff spot. And when they were talking yesterday about what they saw on Xavier Edwards to make him. Them believe that he could, he could project into a good leadoff hitter in the future. Really, I, I, I loved how they talked about their approach. Weathers, I think is going to be fine. I love the idea of drafting somebody whose family has been in baseball for a while. I do think that's a big plus plus because, like they like uh Mark Conner was saying yesterday he's been in the clubhouse he sees how it's done that is a that's a pretty darn good head start
1: yeah absolutely and you know the thing uh People, they don't understand, Bill, the dynamics around a ball club and being in that clubhouse. And, and that's a big thing. When a kid comes up through the organization and comes into that clubhouse the first night, how is he going to act? Is he going to uh, come in and, and try to be a big shot? Or is he going to know his place in that clubhouse and be a great teammate? Those are things that good scouts, and I know the Padres have done their due diligence on a lot of their guys over the years. you got to have guys that... are are going to be problems and create a real issue in that clubhouse, right?
2: You, I mean, you need to. I mean, I think it's great that Ryan, that Ryan Weathers has seen other rookies come in for the first time. He's seen how the club, how other players react to them. He's seen how they react. I, I think that being in that environment is a huge step forward for any player. Now, you've got to have skill to get there, as we all know. But I do think that if you've got that background. That's a, that is a great head start.
1: Hey, Bill, real quick, uh, do you know when the Padres plan on bringing Ryan and his family in to be introduced to the San Diego media?
2: I have not heard anything yet about when it's coming in. Usually it's, usually it's about, well, it won't be tomorrow, so it would probably be the Oakland series. Yeah, next homestand. Right, so we're talking about two weeks away. Well, they, usually, right. they
0: usually have the press conference with the new players at the coach's house. That's why he wants to know what's going on. You can't, but, get, him, you can't get a new player into town unless they meet the coach first. You know. right, at the,
2: right, the manager and everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that the last couple drafts, they have been on homestands, and they've brought the player in. They're leaving town tomorrow, I would imagine – that they wouldn't just have a press conference to introduce them with the club out of town so i'm i'm looking for that oak that two game oakland series in the middle of this uh long uh, road I won't call it one road stand because it's two long ones. Yeah, but yeah. Long. that's what I think it's going to be.
0: All right. I'm going to let you go, Bill. we got to, we got to get to the top. Coach and I, the theme of the show today has been looking back on baseball. And I think a lot of a uh, we've, – we've sounded a little bit like two guys who want the kids off of our lawn. And we've talked a little bit about how great the game was. But the one area that we focused in most on today is – Instant replay and the fact that we've kind of lost the manager going out and arguing about calls. I missed that. The, yeah, me too. And the, and the and the potential even that someday they might even have an automated strike zone, which drives me crazy. I'm just curious. Can you add anything to the What? Where do you stand in this whole area? Do you do you think that their instant replay is good, bad, or at least needs some work, or what?
2: Well, I think the instant replay is good in theory. I think it's made the umpires a little bit lazier. I've watched umpires totally out of position now on plays because, hey, if I get it wrong, it's going to be appealed. Uh, I really believe that, and that's not a good thing to believe. But no. uh, I, 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 I'm not high on the umpiring right now, to tell you the truth. I, I just don't think it's as good as it was. Ten, fifteen years ago, and and I hate to say that, but I will honestly say it.
1: Yeah, you, you know, I wonder, Bill. Give me your thoughts on this. And again, I don't want to go back in time here, but what do you think about having going back to the days of American League umpires and National League umpires?
2: Well, I I don't think you can go back because the the strike zones were different. If I'm right. in, I'm, in, I'm sure you remember that, right? And we're sorting. We're sort of moving towards a neutral strike zone, although you see so many pitches missed, you got to wonder. But no, I, I think having one pool of umpires is great. In fact, one of the things I like about it is you should be seeing less of umpiring crews than you used to, and I like that. I, I like the fact that the umpiring crews are, are moving around more, so uh, I like that. You know, one thing, John, I want to make one point. Uh, I think you and I can honestly say we were there for the first game, Padres Major League game at uh, at uh, San Diego Stadium. That's right. They were there. Dick, Dick Selma. Selma. Ed Spuzio losing the ball, the first uh, hopper in the, <laughs> in the lights at third base. That's right, the high chopper. Right, the high chopper, and it was like, uh-oh, the, the lights are still set up for football.
1: That's exactly right, and of course, uh, you know, Don Wilson was pitching that night for the Houston Astros, and, uh, right. uh, you know, that, that was a heck of a game. Two to one in the, in both pitchers, uh, Selma went nine and Don Wilson went eight.
2: Right, and then Selma went away. Yep, too he, soon. that's right.
0: Yeah, that happens all the time now. I expect something very similar tonight uh, with Jordan Lyles and uh, and Sean Newcomb. They probably both pitch complete games. We get out of that stadium tonight, Bill, in two hours and two fifteen hours? minutes. Sure. Hey, listen,
2: one other thing, Coach. Yeah. Do you remember the sound of the ball hitting the cantilever roof at Westgate Park?
1: Yes, I do. I only got to go, Bill, because I was pretty young. I only got to go to a, a couple of games there, but I remember seeing Walt No Neck Williams play there for one of those opponents. And of course, Bobby Klaus, I think, uh, was playing second base for the Padres.
2: Right, right, but the sound I still hear in my dreams, sometime in the middle of the night, the sound of the ball hitting the cantilever <laughs> roof that, at Westgate Park. And
1: Westgate Park was an absolutely beautiful ballpark. Beautiful
2: ballpark, and actually, they used the they used the uh, blueprints from Westgate Park to build the Houston Astros minor league complex in Kissimmee, Florida.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. Did not know yeah. that. I know
2: hey, that the, West.
0: I know that Westgate Park is where Fashion Valley now that's is. Right, right, right. right. Uh, the,
2: the Panda Express used to is right where Centerfield used to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Bill. We'll see you out at the ballpark Great stuff, tonight.
2: Billy,
1: thanks, thanks,
0: hey, thanks, always. guys. All right, there's Bill Center. That's great. You're crazy. Huh? You're crazy. The high hopper
1: to Ed Spezio.
0: Lost in the lights. I thought that was just a... I, I really, I remember guys losing ground balls in the lights. I thought that was just kind of a Yeah, Leron Lee, a, a Lee lost a few
1: in left field. And Gene Locklear. Remember Gene Locklear? Yeah, he
0: was a great painter.
1: Yeah, he still lives in still San a is a He's pain. still around still town. Still is a
0: great painter. He's probably listening right now. He's probably... Uh, Trying to diagram what in the world we're doing here. We'll take a break. <laughs> Five o'clock hour comes back. Ello, the coach, on uh, 97 through The fan.